Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 59. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John. I am going to try and get off to a rocket start this episode. If you listen to episode 58, you know that I was completely with it, especially right there at the end. Almost let the streak die, but I didn't do it. Otherwise, I'm doing great. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Hey, part two of our interview with Kelly Schrader. Um, this time, uh, we're really we really concentrated on that management career and, and what he's doing there. Um, the thing that jumped out at me, I think, the phrase that I, I wrote down was truly caring for the people uh, underneath his management, and that was something that actually uh, he learned from his predecessor, right? Yeah, he actually took over a great team and could see how much his predecessor really loved working with those people. And, you know, this new role is interesting because he's managing managers. I, I just think that that's, in my opinion, a, a challenging jump to, to make when you haven't had a lot of management experience under your belt. But I won't spoil it for everybody. Let's get to it. Part two, Kelly Schrader. Now, let's maybe talk about like your current role as a manager and and maybe how that's different from the the management positions that you had before. Is is there like it sounded like you were hinting at like a contrast there, but um, maybe you could dive into that a little bit more. Well, the organization is a whole different scale. <laughs> um, there's you know two thousand ish employees across the the municipality and then you know the IT department is about 80 people and I oversee a team of 15 um I've got two supervisors under me and then four other direct reports and so it's it's wildly different from anything else I've done um based on scale and and even opportunity because with a with a team this large, I can't do anything technical. I mean, there's, there's just no, there's no room for me to, to fit it in my day to be the guy to go configure a workstation. You know, I can help out, but, um, I don't, I don't do any of the line work anymore. Things are really going wrong. If, uh, the, the boss to two levels up is uh, configuring a workstation, right? Uh, yeah, well, that would be a bad day. <laughs> so is that a position that you're actually hired directly into or something that kind of grew after you got there? No, I was hired into, into the job to replace somebody who was outgoing. Um, 
and thankfully I was hired to replace a really quality person who had built a really good team. So I didn't, didn't come in as a fixer, um, more as a maintainer. So that was, that was good for day one. <laughs> well, so that's actually interesting in and of itself. Is there anything that you learned about building a quality organization just from observing what you walked into? This, uh, the idea is, so it's, it's not just this, this one situation. It's kind of the, the overall management, um, ethos that I've kind of absorbed. Um, but there's this one book on leadership that I had gone through in a previous job that goes through all these different things. It's like 450 pages and it gets to the very end of the book. I mean, it's probably like three pages from the end and it says the most important thing wish they would have started the book with this, but at the very end, the most important thing is to love your people. And that's what I observed coming into this is that the person I was replacing had really cared about the welfare of her team. Um, these were people that she, she understood very well. She understood their quirks. Um, she had gotten to know them on more than just a task based level. And she was engaged with them in some pretty powerful ways to help them be full people, not just employees. And that was kind of a, you know, the, the, the check mark on the top of the box, you know, kind of, okay, these are the ideas. Now I've seen it in action. That's really powerful. I think that's, uh, I mean, two things there, like, you know, that, that idea of really caring for your people. And now that I think about it, all of the best managers I've ever had definitely um, modeled that behavior, right? They, and it's not that they told me directly, it's just that they exhibited that, right? Like every action that they took with relationship to me, like told me that that was something that they cared about. And also like when you like, you know, do a presentation, say the most important thing first, not at the very end. Right. <laughs> One question I had, Kelly, was, you know, in your previous role, I believe you said you managed three people, individual contributors only, and then you actually went to managing some individual contributors, but some managers. So that, how did you, you know, what do you do when you go from one level to the other like that? How do you get into the mindset of managing managers? You know, I, I don't know how well this would translate if I were to move a level up. Um, at my level, I can know all the people that are on my team. So I can know them all on a level that allows me to interact with them as individuals and know their stories um, and, and care about them. So I... I don't know that it necessarily changes except for the fact that um, I'll copy people on more emails instead of just sending them myself or I'll, you know, there are times where I, I go to one of the supervisors and say, Hey, here's a situation and this is what I'd like you to do with it. Um, but the, the fundamentals haven't changed for me as far as whether just caring about the people that are all the way down. Again, if I were the CIO and I had to be over 80 people, that's just not feasible. You just can't know that many stories and 
and interact with people at that level without burning yourself out. Um, so I, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm fortunate in where I'm at because it, it suits me. It, I, I like being able to know my people and be able to, to care for them. That's so interesting it, it, that you wonder whether it would actually translate at one level up when you, so you have, you know, access to your direct teams, like, and, and one level below when you're managing some supervisors. And if you want one level up, then it's like, okay, it's that, you know, times three or, or whatever. Right. And, and so the individuals, like the individual contributors, like, at, you know, the kind of line level workers, as you put it, like you, you, you're too far away to know all of them and all their stories, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, all their faces. Right. But, um, you're starting to approach that like 150 person limit that like our brains are actually capable of, of keeping uh, in, in there. But, uh, I, I wonder, uh, you know, at some point in time, we'll have to, um, to interview like a senior director or a VP or something and, and figure out how they, they do it. Cause I, I mean, I wonder if it's just as simple as caring about your direct reports and their direct reports and letting go of what the, the last level, right. The individual contributors. It, and if you model that behavior and show them that that's really important, that they do the job of doing one level down, but that's completely theoretical in my mind. We'll have to, to find somebody and, and ask them about that. Well, and I, I think it also changes. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed that's different. So kind of, I'm kind of answering your previous question in the context of this one, but with the managing managers, there's a lot more, um, here's an expectation rather than here is a directive in my interactions with them. So I, I'll establish, you know, this is the vision and I'll bring them into the vision. And then I'll say, you know, I want you guys to communicate this to your team. Um, and, and then I have to, I actually have to step back and I'm still working on that one because <laughs> sometimes I really want to, um, make sure that my vision, because it's awesome, because it's mine, of <laughs> you course. Know, gets, gets communicated accurately and, you know, all these things. But um, that, was a, that was a whole lot of words product. to say instead of micromanage. <laughs> Good summary. Good summary. <clears throat> That's why I'm a manager. Lots of words. <laughs> well, you can't get by without saying vision or strategy as a manager. Those are required words. <laughs> Yeah, synergize and et cetera, et cetera. Well, I, I don't know, you know, if this is in the official nerd journey bingo game, but I read this uh, book called uh, Core Business. And one of the, the things that they talked about in this book was, I, I think it was like a, a test for like people who are training to be second lieutenants in the Marine Corps. And this was, it's all about like business tenants, business lessons learned from the Marine Corps. And, uh, the idea was you're given a squad and a sergeant and like a flagpole and riggings and, and you as a, you know, prospective second lieutenant had to come up with a plan for getting the flagpole rigged. Right. And the correct answer was, Hey, sergeant, get that flagpole up and then walk away. 
right? Because they know how to do it. You just need to tell right. them that that is the goal and set like the acceptable boundaries of behavior, which hopefully you've already done and don't need to do that for the specific task, right? Um, so it, you know, and that was a really long story and you told it like much more succinctly, <laughs> but um, I do have to, it, in order for the, uh, the official Nerd Journey bingo game, I have to tell the entire story and mention the book, so. I wish I knew the episode in which you mentioned that same story off the top of my head because I know I've heard it before. Anyway, well, uh, that that would be a full bingo. And you know what? If you're out there and you want a bingo, just join the John White School of Mentoring. Send that tweet out to Adner Journey today for pricing and packaging. No cover charge required, but there is pricing and packaging. Uh, anyway, back to back to that comment, Kelly, about stepping back. Um, do you have any tips for people on ways you've you've learned to pull back a little bit in this management role? Kind of rein yourself in from diving in deeper than you should? I think for me, it's really come down to respect. Um, because there are times where I probably could do the job better or could have at one time. Um, but it, but to me, it feels really disrespectful for me to jump in and do somebody else's job. And so when I get kind of get those urges to, well, let me just fix it for you. Um, I just, I take a step back and, and realize that this, this isn't how I would want to be treated. And so I, do it differently. I mean, <laughs> I got some really weird looks in one of my in interviews when I said that managing is a lot like parenting. <laughs> I, I don't think they like that. I didn't get that job. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it really is. I mean, the things you learn as a child really apply in all of life. And so sometimes you just have to remind ourselves or remind others that, you know, choose kind words, use your words, you know, these, these really fundamental things that I'm doing with my six-year-old to, to help her learn how to relate are the things that I need and my team needs to, you know, not lose it at each other. Everything I learned needed to learn about management. I learned from my first grade teacher. Is that Okay. Well, it's <laughs> my first book title right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's that perspective from the kiddos that is so pure and clear that we need to be reminded of. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Kids can't filter their emotions and what they feel on the inside to their face, whereas adults can. Right. But that doesn't mean that we don't feel the same thing. So if you say something in an unkind way, as an adult, you have the exact same reaction. You just might not show it. And, uh, mm -hmm. so I really, I really like that idea of, you know, this is how you would parent. This is how you should manage as well. Some of those, uh, really important lessons. That's really cool. Well, sometimes you have to, some of it sounds a little condescending if I translate it one-to-one. -one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> You do have to keep in mind that you're dealing with other adults. Right. You right. discipline them a little bit dis different. differently. Right. 
So how about this one, Kelly? If I'm someone who thinks I might want to be a manager, but I'm not really sure if it's for me, what advice would you give me to think about? I think the the first key to becoming a manager, to becoming, well, let me back up. The first key to becoming a leader is to know what your leadership looks like. Um, a lot of people, myself included, I, I kind of interpreted leadership as looking like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Barack Obama, you know, insert whatever charismatic leader of a large organization you want to stick in there. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm not a leader because I'm not those things. You know, I'm an introvert. I'm, I can't get up in front of a crowd and make them all go ooh and ah at the end of it. And, and so I kind of discounted myself as far as could I actually be a leader? And I realized um, going through a strengths finder training um, that actually there were strengths there that were not the leadership, the classical leadership strengths, but that I could engage those to be a leader. That I could I could actually function in my strengths as a relational person. I mean, if <laughs> four out of my five things in the Strengths Finder, for those who are familiar with it, were all relational. And it was at the moment that it kind of it was sort of a an epiphany moment where I realized, you know, if I if I lead out of these things rather than trying to be like someone who I think is a leader. George Patton. I'm going to be an effective leader. Yeah. <laughs> That's who you think of. <laughs> well, it, it seemed to be the, the image that you were talking about, the like kind of like big, huge personality that, that stands up in front of a stage with a giant American flag in the background, like, you know, you know, charming and bombasting. Right. And not everybody is that, but also not every leader is that. Right. Right. So I think Nick and I both looked up immediately, like looked up Strengths Finder, and we we're like, "Who? What is this? This is a tool we haven't heard of." <laughs> so John looked it up, and what I envisioned was Kelly making that video with the American flag and posting on YouTube. Is that wrong? <laughs> Did you find that a, to be a valuable exercise, the Strengths Finder? Um. The strengths finder thing in and of itself was just kind of another, another personality assessment. Um, I mean, it's got a different spin on it because it's focused on what you're good at instead of what you're not, or like the Enneagram where it talks about how you'll relate poorly to other people or, you know, any, most of these personality things are fairly negative. So strengths finder is different in that sense um, by saying, these are the things that you're good at. So it's more uplifting, I think, than some of the other ones. But at the end of the day, it was it was merely a a vehicle for my epiphany rather than I think what caused it. So 
I don't necessarily, I don't recommend, okay, everybody go take the strengths finder and then you'll be a leader. <laughs> you know? But maybe I think the thing that you said was um, one of the things that people need to figure out is how they would be a leader or what kind of leadership that they would exhibit. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the answer to that, then maybe this would be one of those tools that you'd use. I'll, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of different ones out there, but, but maybe this would be one to explore. Yeah. I mean, it certainly helped me. Yeah. And I, and I think we can um, synthesize some of the information you gave and some of the nuggets Charlie Nickel gave on a previous episode. You know, you mentioned you want to be treated the way you'd want your manager to treat you. So you look at it from the individual and Charlie mentioned, Hey, I look at these great leaders and the qualities they've had and that I've observed and I'm going to, make my management style comprised of that. So if you take all those things and put them together, you, you really have a nice um, mantra to go for. A balanced way to do it. I think, you know, cause there's, you know, two different things, right? One is, you know, a, you know, take and, and model and, and do the things that I don't have. And the other approach was, well, I have this goal of, of leadership um, or I'm evaluating it. So what are the things that I already have? That I could use to do that, you know, the best way that I know how. So, two different two different methodologies, and I and I do utilize that as well, like the absorbing. Yeah, but I, I mean, I I do as well. Look at previous, yeah, look at previous managers that I've respected that have been good, good people to work for, and I do pull from them. This was more just kind of the, I don't have to be like them either necessarily. Um, well, you, you, yeah, so it's kind of a, uh, yeah, you already talked about, um, immediately kind of learning the lesson about caring for your people, right. Um, just from that overlap mm -hmm. of taking over that organization. So, yeah, I don't mean to imply that it's, it's like, okay, I'm not going to learn anything new, but it, you know, a lot of people like immediately think, okay, I have to like start doing all these different things instead of like gradually learning and gradually absorbing new skills, right, and new lessons. Um, they try to change everything all at once to to be this image of what it is that they think that that role or or thing is, instead of trying to you know figure out their own strengths and 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 do it the way that suits them, and then gradually add additional skills over time. Yeah, I think some of the difference between where I'm at and where Charlie's at is just career level. You know, I'm four months into managing a large team and, you know, I've not been in enterprise prior to this. So, and I, I really actually enjoyed that podcast. That was actually what caused me to, to message Nick in the first place was because I found it really, really fascinating. And then kind of was juxtaposing my own experience with his kind of going, you know, I've got a small business sort of, perspective on this, like how my transition went, that was kind of a different, might speak to a different part of the audience than, than his experience would. You're also talking about his, you're talking about his background, like coming from, you know, what was it? EMC and then VMware. I mean, these are two organizations that have like a distinct, like management philosophy already that they're, you know, imparting to their managers. So those managers are, are modeling that management behavior. And then when they mint you a manager, they send you to all this management training. So I think that that's like quite different from 
coming from an SMB background, you know, the way that, you know, my experience of SMB is like, you know, figure it out. Where's the O'Reilly book? You know, so we need that again. <laughs> right. And I, I think it speaks to very well here, Kelly, that each person has to find their own style. You know, we can take all, all of our, all the advice from everybody and see this person, see that person. But until you find what's going to work for you, and as John said, a little bit at a time, not a, you know, not a 360 degree or 355 degree change at a time. <laughs> yeah. How about a 90 degree? She's neck. It's yeah. like a, a, two, <laughs> Sorry, a, two, a two radian change. <laughs> I tease Nick. Craig, about, how many uh, degrees is that? Uh, I believe that's like 360. I don't know. It's, it's two pi in radians is 360 degrees for all you math nerds out there. Did I not say two pi? Yeah, I didn't say two pi. You just said two radians. So that's uh, that's that's not a smaller. Lot. Yeah. Anyway, this is not a podcast <laughs> about math. Welcome to the Nerd Journey Math Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I probably wouldn't have come if you would have told me there'd be math. <laughs> when you were talking about the computer programs at schools being heavily math focused, I just, I don't know if you saw me raise a fist in glorious tribute. It's very true. Very I, heavily, I, heavily, I, you love the math. Heavily, heavily algorithmic. Well, I guess our time has just about come to a close. It seems like, um, do you have any final thoughts, Kelly, final advice for folks? Anything else you'd like to say? We don't want to keep you too long here. Um, I think, I think my advice, especially for people that are in it introverts would be that I think pretty much everybody has the potential to be a leader. Not everybody's going to thrive as a manager, having the titled role, but everybody can lead um, because leading is mostly about ownership and vision. And you can have ownership and vision over, you know, your set of responsibilities just as as a sole contributor, as a subject matter expert, and maybe that'll lead you into a management role. Um, so don't be afraid of your own leadership. Don't be afraid of the fact that you can influence others and, you know, be an outspoken voice for what you care about. Yeah, I really like that advice. I mean, some of us are lucky, lucky enough to work in organizations that have a career path for individual contributors that lets them climb like a separate ladder. Um, and if that's something that you're looking for, um, and you don't have it at your current position, then maybe uh, maybe yet that's yet another reason to to look for a change in organization. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, Kelly, we're going to leave it there. Really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Um, is there a place that people can find you, follow you, um, reach out to you? You know, I'm, uh, let's see, I'm Sosipiter on Spiceworks, not terribly active there. Um, Kelly on RepublicofIT.com. And I'm not really that active anywhere else. Social media is kind of a secondary thing. All right. Me, so that also answers the question of how do you pronounce Sosipiter? 
There you go. <laughs> That's my pronunciation. I don't know if it's right, but ten years I've been wondering that. The mystery <laughs> has finally been revealed. Right here, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. All right. Thanks so much uh, for coming on, Kelly. Take it easy. Thank you. Wow, Nick, uh, that was a, a great uh, second half of that discussion with Kelly Schrader. I, I got to tell you, um, the two things that I'm kind of uh, walking away from that interview with, like knowing what your leadership looks like and the idea, I think he said a little bit later, that leadership is ownership and vision. And I, it just really two things that resonated with me. Yeah, that entire episode was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, he admitted in that episode that listening to what Charlie had to say made him want to share his perspective, which was a little bit, you know, a little bit different. And I think if you put those two together, just like I said in the episode, you get a pretty nice management philosophy. But I'll say it again, open call for anybody out there who is a manager, has become a manager at whatever level. We'd love to hear your perspective because honestly, every time I hear advice, it's just fantastic. Definitely. Definitely. But um, one, Oh, go ahead. No, you. I was going to say, one of the things that struck me here was him having to step back from micromanagement. You know, you, when you're a leader, one level or two levels removed and you want something accomplished, you have to, be willing to back up and, and let the people who need to execute on it either pass or fail, give guidance or remove roadblocks where you can. And I think that's really hard when a lot of your experience was doing the things that the people who now work for you have to do. Yeah. Taking that, that one step back, especially when you're, when you're uh, removed from the actual day-to-day -day operations I, I can only imagine how difficult that is. I, I guess I've had to live through how difficult that is, uh, but uh, uh, not in a management role being, you know, ultimately responsible for all those things. So um, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to add before we head out of here? No, no. How about you? I don't think so. Just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at V German for Nick Quarty at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. I think we were way higher energy this time, don't you? Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely.